This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Jill Rifkin of Delmar. She's a sort of Robin Hood for musical instruments. She collects them from often well-off kids who don't use them and redistributes them to children who can't afford them. All of her life, not just with music, she's been concerned about opportunities for others. The inequities in our society break my heart, she says. She also says that musical instruments can be instruments for change. Tell us about this program. How, how did you get involved in it? Well, it existed before I joined it. I'm not sure for how long. I don't know, a couple of years. I'm not sure. Uh, before I joined Vanguard. Vanguard is the volunteer wing of the Albany Symphony Orchestra. I have, for about nine years, been in charge of something called the Instruments for Students program. And the way I got hooked very quickly, because uh, I never, I didn't know anything about this before, was a, a little boy from, I don't want to mention the country just for privacy's sake, from, you know, uh, one of the Caribbean countries. And he um, didn't speak much English, was desperate to play the violin, and his school did not have enough violins to give him. I'll explain about that later. And we which we provided one, and he had had few friends. He was lonely, he was sad, he was probably homesick. And within a year, bingo, friends, all the violin he could handle because he was very good at it. At the end of the year, he was nominated for an honor, for an honors music orchestra, I think it was. And um, he turned from a very sad little boy to a fulfilled and happy little boy. That did it for me. And I wanted desperately to help. I've cared about this kind of stuff all my life, not just music, but the inequities in our society break my heart. Um, anyway, I, that's how I got started. But I can well, that is just a marvelous story. It's an instrument that's musical, but also an instrument for change because it gave him a way to express himself, to belong, to contribute to his new society. That's just wonderful. Um, I have another quick story on that because I spoke to somebody at the Albany Fund for Education today. When you give to the Albany, we give, I give to about 11 school districts, but when it's Albany, it goes through the Albany Fund for Education. And um, she told me about a, a child who was having a tough time at home. It wasn't the most stable environment. And the school now provides a practice room for the kids. I assume it's after school. I, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, um, he can't get to school fast enough, uh, uh, you know. But 
partly in large part because he loves music and it's changed his life it doesn't change everyone's life but even one even if it was one kid it's worthwhile I'm so excited about doing this. It's an honor. It's not a chore. Well, tell us a little about the practical nitty-gritty aspects of it so that people understand where the instruments come from, how they arrive, and where they go. Okay. Um, for at the beginning of doing this nine, ten years ago, I was also I was asking various institutions to put something in their newsletter. That worked somewhat. I got maybe a hundred instruments. I'm up to five hundred and fifty instruments so far, by the way, and I want a thousand. I'm very greedy. <laughs> anyway. Um so um about two years ago. I began to ask various institutions, and I'll name some of them. Um, first was the Bethlehem Public Library. Um, the advantage of asking other people to co-sponsor with us is that they have their own lists of people to publicize the event to. It, it was a, an instrument pickup event last uh, you know, about a year and a half ago or so. And I was expecting maybe 10 instruments at most. We were deluged with 45 of them. Oh my, goodness. My, living room, my living room looked exactly like um, the uh, in, uh, Walmart the, the week before Christmas. And this is, uh, you couldn't move in there. I, I was thrilled. We didn't have any company. We didn't, we had no room for them. But anyway, um, but that began, it really expanded after that. I've asked, let's see, if you, would you, uh, Bethlehem Library, East Greenbush, West uh, Sanford Library, Albany, Clifton Park, a batch of churches and synagogues. Uh, St. Pius X was terrific. Um, Federation, Beth Emmeth. Cultural institutions helped. WMHT, Curtain Call, Cap Rep, um, an art gallery I happened to go to, and I sort of gulped and said, would you like to sponsor a, um, a musical instrument uh, collection? And they jumped at the chance, and I ended up with like seven instruments. Um, bookstores, my favorite haunt. Um, I love books and bookhouse, both of them. The funniest one was Sweater Venture a wonderful sweater store that was about to close for good. And I gulped and asked, would you mind sponsoring an event? Seven instruments. It was unbelievable. Um, so, so far, about 28 or so institutions have basically co-sponsored with us. And um, now, so, um, either from signs up on bulletin boards, any old place, or through these events, through these donation events, the instruments come to my living room. Sometimes people bring them over, sometimes I pick them up, um, but often I, they, they often now come from these events, these donation events, these donation drives. Um, I have a list of 
approximately 11 schools, generally in the capital district, two schools slightly out of it, called me up and begged. I couldn't say no. Um, I Would you like me to name the schools? Yes, I think that would be very useful. Thanks. Albany, Schenectady, Troy, Ern Knox Westerlow, Ravina Queeman Selkirk, those are two countryish schools, Menans, Cohoes, Mechanicville, Rensselaer. I sat next to a judge all the way down from Albany to New York, and would you like to know? I would like to know how. Schools yet? Sorry. No. Um, They school teachers from these schools come to my house once I have, let's say, fifteen of them. A teacher will come to my house, choose the ones they need, and um, then another drive and more teachers come. So that's how it works. The schools, they go to school districts, not to schools, and definitely not to individual kids, as far as I know. Uh, What the schools with them is up to them. But normally it goes to a child who badly needs it because their parents can't afford to rent or buy them. And the schools, there's so many of those kids, the schools don't have enough instruments for all the kids who desperately want to play. And... um, so the teachers give them out to whatever and to the to the, to the students and they may play them all the way through until they graduate from that school and that's how it works and if someone's listening who has an instrument that's socked away and a child has outgrown it or wasn't interested in it what who would they contact or how how would they make a donation well I will give you at the end of this a list of upcoming instrument drive, but otherwise, call me. My phone number is 518-439-1843, and my email is J-R-R-I-F, that's like Frank, J-R-R-I-F at AOL.com. Excellent. Now I'd just like to back up a little and hear about, this is from the operating through Vanguard, and you seem to have a deep love and appreciation for music. Where just, I'd like to kind of walk through your life a little and understand where you came from with this generous impulse. Just kind of start at the beginning. Where, where did you grow up? What was your family like um, as you were growing up as a kid? less than you would expect from some of those. I grew up in Scarsdale. Um, I was always very conscious of people who did not. Um, I, nobody, nobody taught me that. I, 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 it's so, it was a wealthy suburb. And from a pretty early age, probably by, by 10, I was always caring deeply about poor people. As for music, um, I was taken to a Gilbert and Sullivan play and completely hooked. I still love it. Um, I Tell us, wait, wait, back up here. What was the play? Do you remember? How old were you and how did it, how did it impress you? 
I was probably about 10. I think it was Pinafore. Uh, I think my mother got me the record, and within a week I could sing all the songs. I did not play an instrument except a little bit of piano. I didn't practice, but I, what I did love was singing. And when I got to high school, we had an incredibly talented conductor, galvanizing. Um, and I, my, except for English, which I love just as much, anything to do with writing in English, I absolutely loved choir and sang all the way through, did a little bit of in college. Um, I joined something called Octavos here. Um, I quit during the pandemic and I will at some point hopefully go back to it. Um, but I've always, I, for a lo all the way through, I oh, I used to play the guitar as a child. I forgot about that. Um, that's what I really loved. Um, folk and music. What and kind of, you played folk music? Is that what you said? Absolutely. I had hoop nannies with my friends, and I could harmonize pretty well. So we'd all get together on Saturday nights and sing. Um, my hero is Pete Seeger. <laughs> Oh, he's one of my heroes, too. So did you sing some of those um, peace songs and protest songs as well? How did you guess? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly did. Um, and I, I really began to care very much about people who didn't have all sorts of advantages that, frankly, I had. And... That is so unfair and so wrong. And I really wanted to do something about it. And I did draw the parts of my life. And but I'd this, like to hear about some of those other parts of your life. I, I went online and I know that you, for years, and I don't think you're still doing it, you um, were a college counselor and ran a business called College Options. I'd love to hear about that. And I oh, saw that you also tutored students at Arbor Hill Elementary School. Um, and I've tutored in the past before at various places. Um, so tell, tell us about the tutoring, and then I want to hear about the college options. Um, what, what drew you to do that? Which one? The tutoring. Everything I've been talking about. Yeah. Well, tell us about what... If you can't read very well, you've got a handicap for the rest of your life. I think I remember reading that a lot of prisoners, um, I don't know what the percentage is, but a substantial pro proportion of prisoners don't read very well. Um, that So I did my best to try to correct it and... and early age. I love tutoring at Arbor Hill. Oh, um, I've always liked poetry. Um, and um, I did a unit with a class. Normally teachers would send, the teacher would send kid out of the room who was misbehaving or needed reading practice and, you know, I'd work with them. And um, what was I saying? I'm sorry. You love poetry, and I want to hear about that, but I think you were going to tell us something you did with the kids that had oh, to yeah. do with poetry. Class. Poetry. Um, I read them a couple of wonderful poems by Langston Hughes. Uh, he wrote two, I believe, about rain. 
and they were mesmerized because it was beautiful. It was not that, you know, they were second and third graders, but that didn't mean they couldn't understand what rain was and, and the beautiful imagery that he painted. And I had them write poems themselves about rain. And I cried. They were, many of them were absolutely beautiful. And I was so proud of them. You know, anybody who thinks poor kids can't learn is nonsense. It's just wrong. And so who are some of your favorite poets? Who who do you gravitate towards? Well, we could talk about Langston Hughes, Walt Whitman. I embarrassed to say because it's not very trendy. I love poems that rhyme. Um, somebody named Alfred Raw Noise wrote a poem, The High Women. And the high women can ride. Riding, riding, riding. I used to sit on my father's lap and we'd read poetry together. And I, I've, I've liked it all my life. I can thank him for that. Well, there's a musicality to it, and those two interests merge with, um, you know, poems that have certain meters and rhythm right. weaves between. I, I, too, like reciting The Highwayman, especially on a night where the moon is a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas. Um, so just to return to the original idea that... Um, so you worked with these kids, and you also had this business for much older kids, I'm assuming, uh, high school kids, helping them find the, the right college for them. I know from taking my own daughters around to look at schools, it, it feels almost like a romance. I mean, you're trying to find the right one, you know, the one that, that works for, for that that student just tell us a little about that that business that endeavor i had about 460 something students and i visited personally about 480 schools uh, all over the country it's just what you must do to do this to make a living out of it i loved it um the um i did what the schools do, many of the schools do a great job of this, but they don't have the time I did. I gave the kids three-hour interviews, learning so much about them other than just um, their grades and their SATs. There's so much more to every kid. What I tried to learn what makes them special, what made them happy, um, how shy were they, would they be comfortable at a school? with 10,000 people? Would they be bored at a school with, which was small and in the country? Um, and my daughter's friends began to come to me and I started a business. It, I ran it for about 30 years. Wow. Let's let's back up further in your career path. I know you mentioned to me earlier that you had been a journalist. Just so after you where did you go to college? What happened right after that? Um, Skidmore. Ah, Skidmore. Uh, I became a teacher and didn't like it. I wasn't particularly good at it. I much preferred working with kids one on one rather than an entire class. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, you know, it's, I just did. That wasn't for me. And we moved up. I was also 
I think after that, I was a newspaper reporter for a number of years for a little paper called uh, the, uh, the Herald newspapers, the Gramercy Herald, the Kips Bay Herald. I live in New York, by the way. Um, and it was fascinating. I loved it. What, what I, did you love about it? Meeting interesting people mm-hmm. and hearing what they had to say. Um, I loved interviewing people. I, uh, and I like to write. I always did. Um, I didn't think I could become a newspaper reporter at a large paper because I write slowly. I want the right word. Words mean a lot to me. And um, I didn't think I'd make it at, at a big paper, but I loved what I did and it was interesting. And we moved up here then and um, so who's we? Are you married I, at this point? Is- I, oh yeah, I've been married. I was married at 23. Okay. Tell us just about your husband in a nutshell, if you would. Uh, We're very different. Um, We have exactly the same morals and interests, but I'm very friendly and outgoing and whatever. He's quieter, reasonable, doesn't get excited. I get very (laughs) excited about the things that I love. And we've been married for 52 years, and I tell everyone I was married when I was two. (laughs) <laughs> 75 wow that's great congratulations so uh, also about him everybody thinks people in government or politics or batch of crooks they should meet dick oh my goodness um i wanted to he once had a state car for one of his jobs my car was in the shop i wanted to drive it to stewart's which is about a quarter of a mile away uh the answer was an absolute no (laughs) and i always teased him if i were bleeding to death would you use the state car and then i teased him and say the answer is Probably. <laughs> I'm very proud of his ethics. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ethics, ethics are often inconvenient, but good for him. So you were saying, I took you off the track, that you moved up here. So what brought you to, you're in Delmar, is that right? Yes. Um, we lived in a wonderful place in New York that I just loved. You ever heard of Roosevelt Island? Yes, my daughter lived there. She lived in the Octagon. Eastwood, Westwood. Um, oh, now I'm forgetting. It's been a long time. We were there for 14 years. We had two wonderful kids there. And it was idyllic because you could both, as a place to raise kids, that you have this wonderful sense of community, plus all the fabulous things to do in New York museums and concerts and plays and everything yeah it is great it really is it's it's literally an island and it's right in the hudson next to the city so you can ride that gondola and get in quickly to everything so what brought you to the albany area to delmar um my roseville island at that point although it's bounced back has begun to deteriorate a little bit and I was a little worried about that. And my husband was splitting his work week constantly between New York and Albany. So we thought we'd try Albany. And I love it. I, 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 there's 
you got David Allen Miller for the Albany Symphony, who's, well, next to Pete Seeger, my hero. Um, I'm kidding, but he's terrific. We've, there's a good deal of theater and culture and plenty of bright, interesting people. And it's so pretty. I, I have deer in the backyard sometimes. There's no deer on Roseville Island or in Manhattan. And I, I, I love it here. But I love Roseville Island, too. So... It seems like you love whatever you do because you put yourself into it as well as to the place that you live. So it not, was not math and science. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, once you settled here, um, did you you were busy being a mother, I assume? But um, what happened career-wise next? In I your went path? and got a master's degree in. Um, counseling and it's come in pretty I didn't plan to do this as my my daughter and her friends began to apply to college I perked up I loved it but I used some of the skills I learned with the you know from the counseling degree um with the clients um and their parents you know you you have to be a little bit of a psychologist and to both motivate some of the kids and or calm the parents down um but i it, i found most of the kids up here that I, I i think i had about 500 and no it was about 450 kids that i did this for over the 30 years and there were a handful i didn't like and rest of the rest of them were wonderful kids and parent most of the parents really cared about their children's happiness and not necessarily only the name of the school and so if you have advice if we have parents listening i don't know if it's possible to boil down a 30-year career into a short bit of advice but it, there's such pressure these days um for kids expected to go to college and finding the right one and i mean if you it could just kind of summarize some of the most important lessons you you learned and taught over those years of counseling individual students um what what are some of the the highlights, the key points that people should keep in mind. Couple things. The, oh, the kids. Sometimes the kids, especially, um, think they know they want to major in philosophy or engineering or whatever. Doesn't matter what. But I will then ask. I asked a batch of key questions. How long have you been interested in this? Um, what kind of reading have you done in this area? Is it? Uh, I, I try to find out if that is the interest of the month or if that is an interest that kids have had all their lives. I found that the computer kids knew early what they wanted to do. Uh, and the art students. Other people changed all over the place. Let's see. Second, um, how happy you're going to be at a school is critically important and so much more important than just about anything else. Um, if you're an arch conservative, you're probably not going to be happy at a very liberal school. 
I, I listen for that. I, I, I want a reasonable number, not everybody, but a reasonable number of kids to have the same sort of philosophy of life that you do. That's very important. Um, how, um, this it depends on the kid. Um, do you want to be at a school that's, you know, everybody gets safety schools, reach schools, and target schools. In other words, how difficult they are to get into. Remember, if you get into your, if you go to your reach school, all of the, some of the goodies, the ambassador from China comes to visit. You may not be the one picked to, um, you know, take him around. Um, if you're, if you're in the middle, or even if, if I don't recommend going to the school that's easiest necessarily, but um, a lot of good things will come to you, and teachers will pay attention to you. Um, if um, you're, if they see you're really interested in what you're doing. So it isn't just the name of the college, it's also the fit. If the fit is right with the, pers the student's personality and to some extent their interests, and depending on how interested they really are in something, that I would consider most, most important. Good advice. <laughs> I think you're full of good advice on so many subjects. Our time has just disappeared, and I wonder if you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, your, your your voice went blank. Oh, my gosh. I was saying that you have so such good advice on so many different topics, and I wonder, our time has disappeared, and I'm wondering if you have any closing thoughts to leave our listeners with. I guess it's think about others aside from your own families. Um, volunteer work is so good for people. Uh, it, it helps the person who's doing it as much as the, as, as the recipients of it. Um, I just recommend it highly. It's for, for many, many people. Um, it feels good deep down inside if you're able to help somebody else. And I, it's not critical for everybody, but I think it's important. And also try to find work that you love, not necessarily, you know, it's just as important as, if not certainly more so than making a trillion dollars. Um, you want to be happy in what you do. 